This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. All right, so here we are, episode eight. We are talking about anger. We're in a series on emotions. And today we tackle anger. And this episode in particular is going to deal with the roots of anger. We're going to break uh, this into two parts. Part one is going to be the experience of anger. Uh, What is it in real life? How do we experience it? What happens? What brings it up? And what does it feel like? And then part two, which is next week, we're going to deal with the expression of anger. Um, my partner, Austin. Hi, Austin. Hey, John. Yeah. We got a, a two-man show today. We you, do. You and me. We are the angry, young, and middle-aged man. I don't know if the angry young man is right, but we're angry men. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could sing a song for you. That's the okay. a- Sticks, the angry young man, there but you that's dating myself. Anyway, the expression of anger is, uh, is it right? Is it wrong? That's episode two. Um, and we'll look in that episode, what should we do with it and not do with it? Yeah. But today, just the experience of it, and you have a lot of experience with it. You are <laughs> you are the angry young man. Oh, man. Uh, it, yeah, it's so many good things there. But yeah, John, you mentioned it. Our goal today is that you would let the Hulk into the room. Explain it. The Hulk represents our anger. You know, we all know the movies, the Hulk in his worst moments, he's pissed off, he's raging. And if you're like me, there's a part of you that's scared of the Hulk, men or women. You've seen what happens when they lose control. There's no stopping him, all that. And so what do we do in the face of the Hulk potentially coming in and wreaking havoc? Well, we lock him out of the house. We try to lock him out of our lives. And that's understandable. But the problem with all that is that that Hulk is stronger and more stubborn and smarter and knows how to get in. There's not a lock. There's not a door that'll keep that Hulk out. And so instead, it's a little bit counterintuitive and trying to encourage people to do what they don't want to do. It's to let them into our lives, listen and understand what's going on with the Hulk. Kind of, we like to say, curiously explore your emotions. Yep. Um, So you're talking about the Hulk a lot. Why? (laughs) I'm talking about the Hulk a lot because I broke a bathtub. Let me set the scene. So um, I'm turning on the water to start a bath for my one-year-old daughter. This is about 10 years ago now. And when I did that, she knew bath time was coming and she did not like that. And so she let out an ear-splitting scream as I picked her up to carry her to the bath. And that was not ideal for me. Nobody likes to have your eardrums exploded, (laughs) almost. But it's okay. I was keeping it together. And so the second thing she did, as we're getting closer to the bath, she employed a common toddler technique where all the bones in her body disappear. She went totally (laughs) limp. 
And I had to catch her because if I didn't catch her, she's going to fall. And as I caught her, that hurt her. And so she started kicking and she kicked me right in the man zone. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. So we'll just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. My fellow men know the agony of such a kick. Anyway, I'm, I'm slowly limping along, carrying my screaming and kicking one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old by her head, and I gently set her down in the bathwater. And apparently the temperature was not to her liking, and she returned to her initial tactic and let out one final scream that topped everything else. So this just escalates. This just escalates, and I lost my stuff. Uh, I slammed my hand against the tub, and I screamed, Adeline, no, and boom. I I cracked the tub. That is the moment when I realized an important truth. I am the Hulk. My daughter, she didn't cause my anger. She just brought out the existing internal anger into the light. Yeah, that story pictures uh, what anger is. It's an internal experience inside of you. Your body, your brain are registering something is wrong. Something needs to be controlled because it's out of control. And it can be anything. Uh, With you, it was, I've got to control my pain. My kiddo's going everywhere. She could hit her head, whatever. And in the moment, boom, anger. I will take control of this. But it could be anything. It could be a need or a desire that you have that's very legitimate, and it's getting blocked. So there's the threat of... I can't get this thing I need or want. Uh, as in your story, might be something that's out of control. Maybe you see a pain or a threat on the horizon that's coming down the pike, and your your mind just rotates around it. And because it hasn't happened, you go crazy in your imagination, and anger can gear you up to, well, I will control this, something uncontrollable. I'll control it with anger. Or it might be something that's actually happening in the moment, Or maybe there is an injustice occurring. Uh, Someone's being exploited. Someone's being hurt. And as I listened to your story, it sounded like you got angry because your daughter obviously wasn't doing what you needed her to do or wanted her to do. That's right. So two things. One, I said she was one. She was more like three. So if anybody's like, what is a one-year-old doing like that? No, she was three. Um, But John, that's exactly right. I think the root of the anger there is she wasn't doing what I wanted. And, um, when I took that, there was that piece of it, but then it was also exacerbated by the pain because I took a shot in the man zone and the screaming was overwhelming and she wasn't, like I said, doing what I asked her to. And so I just boiled over and that's when the Hulk came out. And and what's funny, this, uh, ironically, and maybe I should say in a weird way, thankfully, this is the experience that sent me to counseling Hmm. and helped me to begin to see that I actually was the Hulk Hmm. and I was completely stuck in the weeds of anger. But anyway, moving on for the rest of the time, we just want to share with you guys who are listening three components of anger that's going to help us understand more about it. Because again, we're trying to learn about the experience of anger. And when we understand these, it's going to be easier and more natural to let the Hulk into our home, so to speak, and hear what he or she has to say. Now, these aren't the only three. There's a lot, but these we think are the three main ones. So John, kick us off here. Sure. Uh, before I kick that off yeah. into those components, it's I think it's helpful because I've worked with a lot of clients who don't understand that anger is on a spectrum. And on one side, you can have really low level, which is usually called frustration. And I'll have 
clients where I'll say, I think you're angry. They'll say, no, I'm just frustrated. Well, that's anger. That's mm. low-level anger. For some reason, we're afraid to use the A word. Mm. What you're describing is more a more extreme, explosive, I've gone into ultimate control mode, mm -hmm. closer to the side of rage. Yeah. And I don't think you were in rage, but you were moving to a more extreme side. I was getting there, yeah. So there is a spectrum. So let me go into the mental, psychological components. And it really addresses what anger is trying to do for us. And we're going to break it down into two main categories. One, it's trying to protect something that you value, that you want, that you love. It's a protective mechanism, not at all something that is bad or sinful at root. Mm. I need to protect this. And we'll get into this later. Maybe you're protecting something that should be like addressed in your life, like a sinful component. Mm. Like I am envying my neighbor's car and I really want it and I can't have it. So I love that thing and my money is not there to buy it. So it's a block desire. I'm going to protect like that need or that desire with anger. Maybe it's rooted in something that's illegitimate, but sometimes it's very, very legitimate. It's a protection. Mm. And I'll tell a story in a second about that. Yeah. Or it's a protest. Mm. Something should not be. Mm. Now, as Christians, we know the entire world is not as it should be. So in some ways, Maybe, and we'll get into this in episode two, maybe we're not angry enough. Mm. Like there should be a lot that is wrong that we see, that mm. we protest. Mm. Um, can't get into the details of that now, but just for now, the mental psychological components, if you want to mm. demolecularize your anger and mm. really bring the Hulk into the room and interact with it, ask it, what are you trying to protect? Mm. What are you protesting? What's your story? I told my story. You said you got a story about this. Yeah. Let's hear it. So years ago, we uh, had a condominium. It sat on a park, beautiful park with trees. And I'm writing a sermon. And I'm, I'm in this like super spiritual mode writing a sermon. And I hear the door pounded on. And I heard my daughter crying. And I knew it was one of those cries where something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like a broken arm or something. Mm -hmm. I go to the door. She's with a friend. They're about six years old. My daughter is hyperventilating mm. and cannot get her sentence out. Yeah. She's so scared. Her friend said, that man over there told us to get out of his tree mm. and he teased us and he threatened us. And uh -oh. you talk about a Hulk coming out. Mm -hmm. My eyes narrowed. I looked at the tree it was about 75 yards away, and I see a group of teenagers. Mm. Now, what's funny about this, I had just had shoulder surgery, like rotator cuff. Yeah. And when that happens, you can't use your arm. So my arm is in a sling, my right arm, which is my good one. Your punching arm. Yeah, it is. It's my punching <laughs> arm for my boxing years, right? So I'm half crippled. My eyes narrow. I see a group of teenagers, and they just, they just look like teenagers, you know? They just don't look like they're a friendly group of people. Yeah. This is in California. Yeah. Um, we used to call them desert rats. <laughs> You're approaching the desert rats? Yes. So I'm, I'm looking at these guys, <laughs> and I rush out there into this group of teenagers, and I say, hey, 
like really loud. Mm -hmm. Like which one of you threatened mm. my daughter in that tree? Mm. And I'm using my left arm because my right arm won't right. move. And they stare at me. There are probably six of them. Yeah. They're maybe between 15 and 17 or 18 years of age. Yeah. And one of them looks at me and said, what is it to you, dude? Yeah, whoops. Yeah, that was a whoops. So that takes my anger to a higher level. Right. And this is what came out of my mouth. Which one of you wants a piece of me mm. right now? What if I get in that tree? Which one of you wants to take me on? Right. Because that was my six-year-old daughter. Yeah. And you can tangle with me. And I yeah. point to my house and yeah. I say, that's my house. I live there with that little daughter. Mm -hmm. If any of you ever wants to deal with my daughter, you come to my house, you deal with me. Now, which one of you wants to take me on right now? That's, that's hard to think of a better way that shows the protective element of anger right there. You are protecting your daughter from someone she couldn't handle. So she gets to tango with the, the one-armed Hulk. Yeah, so my blood pressure is up. Yeah. I notice my breathing yeah. And all of a sudden, there's a little voice inside of me that says, dude, you're, you're going a little over the top here. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked at him and I said, you know what, guys? And I calmed down. And I said, someday you'll have kids and you'll understand why I'm so upset. Yeah. You know what they said to me? Dude, we don't like kids. We're not going to have kids. Mm -hmm. And I just said, okay, that's fine. Your choice. But you leave my daughter alone. Yeah. And I remember going back, trying to write my sermon again thinking, man, I, I really blew it. I blew my top. And a pastor friend of mine, I called him and he said, you express the image of God. You protected the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You did exactly the right thing. Yeah. So it was a protective mode. Yeah. That's, that's, and a, I, that's a great, that's a great story. That's and I was also, I, right. I was also protesting you should not do this to a six-year-old. Mm. There's a power differential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that also, you know, that makes me think of the story, you know, Jesus flipping tables in the temple. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know that there's a protective element there to Jesus's anger. He is protecting the people that are being exploited. You know, the temple was meant to be a house of prayer, but as it was set up in Jesus's day, when he went in there, it's kind of like Walmart. Like it was hmm. a place where buying and selling was common and you're trying to pray, but you got all the noise and people bugging you to buy stuff. Jesus realizes this is not the way it should be. And then there was a protestive element to his anger. You know, he's speaking out against these practices and the people who have set them up. So again, the protective and the protestive nature of anger is seen in Jesus flipping the tables in the temple. Hmm. And the fact that Jesus got angry, that leads us to that second component of anger. So there's a mental component, but there's also a spiritual component. And what we mean by that is there, there's several biblical justifications for anger. Just a, a couple things here. First, God himself experiences anger. And if you go to Exodus 34, which is in the Old Testament, verses six and seven, God is explicitly disclosing who he is to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai after he freed the Israelites from slavery. This is what he tells Moses who he is. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It doesn't say devoid of anger or absent of anger, but mm. slow to anger. It means eventually he's going to get there. So the, uh, another scripture uh, is from Psalm 6, verse 7. And it says, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. 
lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. And here the psalmist is crying out to God to get angry and to do something to stop the fury of his enemies. He's hoping and he's praying that the anger of God is going to protect him. Hmm. And so if, if God experiences anger, then it logically follows that we as his creatures made in his image and likeness, we can experience anger too. And in other words, and I want to make sure this is clear to everybody listening, your experience of anger is not sinful in and of itself. Okay, slow that down Yeah, and say it again, because I think we really need to sit in that. Yeah, the experience of anger is not sinful in and of itself. Now, Hmm. the expression of that anger can be sinful. And John, you mentioned it, and we're going to talk about that in the next episode, but not the experience of it. Yeah, just having it doesn't mean that you are doing something wrong, bad, sinful. Necessarily. And in the evangelical church, I really do think there's an automatic association that anger means I'm doing something wrong. Right, right. It actually could mean you're doing something really right and your brain and body are telling you something right. Yeah, that makes me think of, and John, speak more to this, the righteous component of anger. Yeah, so the righteous component of anger is really rooted in, as a person made in the image of God, I see that the world is not the way it should be. Some relationships are not the way that they should be. Uh, Some of them are harmful to me, and I'm being sinned against. Like, that's righteous anger. And I think people should hold on to that. And we keep saying this, just tune into episode two, because we'll talk about what to do with it. But for now, just hold on to the idea that there is a righteous anger that is good, it's right, it's spiritual, it's godly. Are there any biblical, like, scriptures or justifications for that? I mean, it sounds good, but where is that grounded in the Bible? How do we know that? One of my favorite places to go with clients is Ephesians 4. Mm. where Paul says, be angry, but in your anger, do not sin. Mm, Ephesians 4, 26, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that, and what I do with clients, is I say, okay, right here in this passage, what you are being told, and it's in a command form, I'm pretty sure that's right in the Greek, it's a command, that there is a place for being angry and holding on to that anger, and there is a way to do it without sinning. So Paul is saying, this is right. This is good. Do not stuff this and or cut it off or ignore it um, or think it's bad. That's yeah. what a lot of people do with it. Yeah. John, you mentioned your work with clients. In my uh, experience, when I've encouraged people to explore something, I sometimes have to clear the space and give them permission to get angry. Hmm. And it's not natural. And people are not comfortable with experiencing anger. And Mm. sometimes I've had to share with people, hey, this is righteous anger. Mm. It's okay to get angry. And it takes a little bit, but eventually people can get going. So anyway, that this the point of it's not natural to experience this yet. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. It's possible to be angry and not sin. Yeah, I'm 60 years old and I'm a trained therapist and I've been dealing with this stuff in myself and with clients for a long time, I will tell you that I am uncomfortable with anger at times. Like it short circuits me and I'm like, okay, what the heck is going on? Right. Um, So there's a mental component to the experience of anger, a spiritual component 
to the experience of anger, right? So your mental component is you're protesting or you're protecting. Uh, that's a signal that you're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. There's a spiritual component to the experience of anger. Uh, it's okay. You can be angry and not sin. And there's a physiological component to the experience of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned this earlier. There's a spectrum. Um, frustration, on the one hand, that's a very low-level part of anger. There's rage on the other end of the spectrum. And that is literally when you're dissociating. Yeah. You're not aware of what's happening. The only thing that you see is red. Yeah. And usually people will say that because literally your blood pressure is so high, yeah. it's clouding your peripheral vision. Where did where did you go on that spectrum? Like where and how did that show up in your body when you went out to the desert rats at that tree over there? <laughs> it was short of rage. Yeah. But it was literally rooted in a strong protection of my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was angry and I wanted to be angry. Yeah. Yeah. And my guess is probably because of your anger and your protection, you had lots of adrenaline flowing through your body. So you were just, had a lot of energy. You were ready to go. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, my right arm was in a sling. <laughs> Are you kidding me? These for your punching arm. <laughs> these six teenagers could have broken my ribs. Right. They could have taken me in a heartbeat. Right. But I wasn't even conscious of that. Right. I didn't even think about it because the only thing I wanted to do was put a boundary marker in that you do not do this to my six-year-old daughter. Right. You know, in, when I'm thinking about where I experienced the anger and the rage when I broke the bathtub, I... I kind of disconnected from my cognitive thinking brain and I just saw red mm-hmm. and it was almost like time stopped. And I just was, you mentioned dissociation. I just totally dissociated from everything around me, like that anger and the Hulk really took over um, other times. And I think it probably led up to that. I find myself breathing a lot heavier and I'm a little more irritable. And, mm. and some people um, have told me, you know, they experience anger in their bellies mm. or even in their legs. Like they start to get the little jiggle leg or their legs start shaking. So uh, the point we're making is that the anger that we experience, it shows up in our bodies. That yes. happens. That is, there's no choice. It's not, oh, it won't show up or not. No, it will. I love breaking down the word emotion into E-motion. It's energy in motion through the body and anger is going to do that. It's gearing you up. Think Mm -hmm. of, think of a soldier in battle. If he doesn't get angry and his adrenaline doesn't kick up and he doesn't go into fight mode, he's vulnerable. He's going to get really hurt. Right. So yeah, it's literally, it shuts down Mm -hmm. the gut. Mm -hmm. Uh, Digestion will slow down. Uh, it increases the heart rate and it narrows the focus of the brain to get a job done. Yeah. You said something when we were planning this and I, I literally right here in front of me and I remember it you said anger is an energy that you have. And so we have a choice of what to do with that energy. Either it deals with us mm. or we deal with it. I just love that image of anger as an energy and it shows up. Yeah. And another thing that comes to my mind, it's like, you know, walking a dog, if you've had a dog that's you know, a little bigger or sees it, gets excited and can just pull you along, when the Hulk takes over, it's like that dog is just running and that dog's walking us. <laughs> and it takes off and does its thing. It does its thing. We are not walking the dog. 
that's what happens when we can explode in rage and when the Hulk just comes out. However, we can take steps to get the Hulk back under control. Hmm. You know, we can take steps to start walking that dog rather than the dog walking us. And so as we kind of start to land the plane here on this episode, we want to give you guys who are listening two specific takeaways that are going to help you walk the dog. Or to go back to that illustration at the beginning, these two things are going to help you let the Hulk into your home and listen to what he or she has to say instead of letting them rage and destroy your home. So maybe when the Hulk shows up in the home, he needs to go outside and take a walk. Right. Right. Maybe like, that's, you know, that leads to the first thing. And, and it's the, the first thing that you can do is regulate yourself, learn how hmm. to regulate your anger. And what that simply means is just calm yourself down. And so breathing exercises is a really good thing. There's something called seven eleven breathing hmm. where you breathe in for seven seconds and you exhale for 11 seconds. And what that does is that sends your body, it's in fight mode that kind of puts the brakes on and it helps you calm down. So if you do that 7-Eleven breathing for a couple minutes, you're going to come back online. You know, an easy way to remember that is pretend you have a straw in your mouth and you're breathing out through the straw. Breathe in with your whole mouth and nose, mm-hmm. breathe out through the straw. It's great. It automatically does that. Another good thing to do uh, to regulate yourself, just change your environment. If you are inside somewhere, literally get up and go outside if that's possible. Or if you're sitting in an office, get up, go down the hallway, do whatever. Or if you're, again, outside, go inside, change your environment. Um, Exercise is good. So maybe you're at a place where you can do some regular exercise. If you can't and you kind of start realizing the Hulk's coming out, just get and go take a walk for five or 10 minutes. And, And if you are the person who, if you're sitting with somebody and you see they're getting angry, maybe it's your spouse and you've got some argument or conflict that you're trying to work through and they get up and leave, I know it's complicated, but I would say let that person leave. Absolutely. Don't follow them. Give them a chance to calm down. And whether it's sleep it off, get up the next morning, or take a 10 or 15 minute break, I've seen and counseled a lot of clients to let that be okay. All right. The science behind this, the limbic system of the brain, which is fight, flight, or freeze, um, once it takes over, and it takes over when your blood pressure gets up around, I think, 120 beats a minute. Mm. As soon as it elevates to that level, your thinking part of your brain literally goes offline. And it takes about 20 to 30 minutes for it to come back online. So there's science behind this. It's not just a, hey, count to 10, take a time right. out. No, there is solid science behind right. it. Right. And I, I do want to say this. Yeah. Regulation is not an end in itself. It's really, really good. Mm. But we don't just regulate ourselves just to regulate. We regulate so that we can get a little bit beneath the surface. And this leads to our second takeaway, which is we can get curious about what's going on. Yeah, that's good. Well, just some ideas here. Uh, Getting curious literally means starting to explore your anger. Like one of the things that's really good is there's always a narrative. Mm. behind the anger. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the story I'm making up in my head? Mm. And that helps you break it down into who's making me angry. What about this person or this circumstance is triggering anger? Mm. What am I trying to protest? What am I trying to protect? 
what kinds of things in that event or relationship triggered my anger? Yeah. How intense is my anger? Like yeah, maybe scale it, scale it. Like, can you say more about that? Yeah. So, um, scaling your, that's great. The, the top of the scale for me is the breaking the bathtub moment. That's a 10, hmm. but you know, maybe a one would be if I ask my kids to do something and they don't listen to me, that's a big trigger hmm. for me. And what it's rooted in is me not being listened to and not taken seriously. There's the protest. And so when that happens to me, my anger, the Hulk comes alive, mm. but that's kind of what, what gets it going. But a simple, Hey, let's get in the car to go to school and nobody listens to me. That's a one or two. Now, if I say that seven different times and nobody listens to me, I'm bumped up to an eight. Yeah. So that's just what we mean for scale. And everybody's scale is different. There's no right or wrong here. This is again, put your real hat on. What is the scale for you? That's another way that you can get curious about it. What I love about that. And we're bleeding a little bit into episode two, but so what? What I love about that is when you talk about my trigger is I'm not being listened to. Mm. Sometimes those triggers get immediately connected to past wounds. Totally. Like when was I not listened to when I was growing up? And that was an injustice. And I've carried that with me. So present circumstances just pop the lid on all the emotions in that bucket. Right. And they come flooding into the moment. So, you know, is the anger proportional, right, to the situation? Right. The scaling, I think, is really cool, too, because it helps you begin to categorize and make a choice. You're pausing, you're pondering, and you're deciding, okay, where am I on this scale and what's the appropriate like yep. level of reaction. I like that. And I'll say one more thing, and John, I know you're going to close us out here in a second. The other great thing about scaling is you can go back and you can measure actual changes. Mm. So if you, you know, if you're getting consistently to a 10 five times a week and you scale it out and you start to get curious, well, guess what? A month later you go back, turns out you've only gone to a 10 once in the last two weeks. That means you're not perfect. You're not there, but you're making progress. So it allows, you know, allows us to get an objective sense of are we getting better and handling the experience of our anger. So sure. anyway, last thing on the scale, but John, you know, take us, take us home. The, the one armed Hulk over there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw one more thing into the scale if you're okay with it, because I'm thinking of your story of your kids not listening to you. Sure. That's a good desire. Mm. Right. And there's a level of protest. Like they should listen to mm. me. Yeah. I want them to, mm -hmm. but they're not. Yeah. So you have an intersection there. Mm -hmm. I can either demand and control and my anger is going to help me do that. Or I can live with the disappointment of, well, they're not listening to me. Mm. How am I going to handle this? It's great. Like I'm sad about this. Where were you like eight years ago? Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> what was it? I don't know. I have no idea. Better late than never. Um, so let me wrap this up. We're saying anger is okay. We're saying it is a signal. It is telling you something's wrong and it could tell you that there's something really right going on that you feel is wrong. Uh, and the experience of it doesn't mean that you're like doing something wrong or sinning. So I guess what we're saying is don't automatically rule in because I am angry, I'm sinning, but don't automatically rule that out either. Get curious about it. Mm -hmm. Like bring the Hulk like into relationship with you 
and dialogue with the Hulk. Yeah. And remember as, you know, as the pieces of the experience of anger, those three components, is there a mental component to your anger? Where's the spiritual component to your anger? And where's the physiological component to your anger? Hmm. You know, get curious about all of those things. Yeah. And is anger something rooted in the past that's pouring itself like into the present and supercharging like jet fuel, like everything that's happening? You know, is your anger proportional to the situation? If it's not, uh, it's likely that you're dealing with past stuff you haven't resolved. And that that's the kind of person that has just like a low level of anger that's always ready to go off. Somebody who hasn't dealt with past stuff. We'll get into that in episode two. But we're telling you it's an attribute of God. God is angry, but he always does the right thing with it. Paul tells us, be angry, but in your anger, don't sin. And we just wanted to have an opportunity to describe the experience of it. And in episode two, we'll talk about, well, what the heck do I do with it? Yeah, that's great. I hope you guys listen. John, it's been great to, great to be here with you. Look forward to the next episode. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.